When corrupt police is haunted by visions of his dead wife, she sets out with a coma, her man suffering a family loss, and a dress shop lease to steal 50 cars. Somebody write this. And welcome to Somebody Write This, where we use a random plot generator to give us an idea and then brainstorm how that could be a thing somebody might want to write. I'm Hannah. And I'm Jenny. And to help us with our brainstorming today, we have a returning guest, Katie Anberg. Welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me back. Hey, we are glad to have you. Uh, We've got a a, a doozy of a plot to work on today. (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) But before we have to jump into that and tease all those pieces apart... When we were chatting before the show, you said you wanted to talk about folktales and specifically about like the the categorization of folktales, which is something I know very, very little about. So I'm going to start by just kind of tossing it off to you and tell and having you tell me what what are what were your thoughts on this? What did you want to discuss bringing this in? Yes. So um, I am by no means an expert. It simply is my latest hyperfixation. And I've always been really fascinated specifically with tellings of the Cinderella, like story type. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, my mom and I used to have this thing, we'd go to the library and find like every different version of Cinderella we could and read it together. And so now as an adult, I have this fascination with that story type. And I was listening to another podcast that I don't remember which one now. And (laughs) they brought up the ATU or the it's and I never remember what it actually stands for, Arne Thompson Uther Classification of Folktales. And it's basically that throughout all these different cultures in the world, because oral tradition is so important to every culture, we see these different folktales being passed down and passed along. And through sometimes through interaction with other cultures and sometimes through just the elements that we as humans like to see in our stories, there are a lot of similarities between different cultural folktales. And so there's now an index and classification of all of these different types of folktales. There's like thousands of types, I think, Mm. and they fit into these different categories. There's animal tales, tales of magic, religious tales, realistic tales, tales of the stupid ogre, anecdotes, Mm. and formula tales. And within those, there's subdivisions. So one that I really like is my, I, you know, I teach and my students really love the story of Rumpelstiltskin, which is its own tale classification where you have the, and I can't remember what exactly the elements of it are, but you've got the woman or man who needs a task done and a magical helper who makes a deal. And then the non-magical person has to guess the magical helper's name in order to get out of that deal. And there's tales that match those, those pieces through all these different cultures, even multiple tales in the same cultures from different time periods. And it's really interesting to me how, you know, when you go really far back and you look at these early recorded stories that folklorists have seen that there's these similar elements in stories across cultures that would have, have would have had no way of communicating these stories with each other. Hmm. But because there's certain elements that we like to see as humans when we're telling stories, there's elements that are the same. That's, That's really, really cool. interesting. Yeah. And uh, and as you were telling the talking about the sort of the classification of like Rumpelstiltskin, up until they got to the very last part, I said, okay, I could see this being, you know, just a, a, a 
an established kind of story that we would tell where someone makes a deal with someone who has more power than them to do something. And then it got very specific. It was like, and they have to guess its name to get out of it. I was like, well, I feel like that one must have been passed along. But but maybe there's some element of that as well that I don't know. Like, it's interesting to me that it would be that specific, that you could get that specific and have that many still kinds of stories enough to all lump together into a classification. Exactly. And I'm trying to remember because, you know, the Cinderella story is the one that I really, that led me down this path. And I think that it is type 510, which has this very specific elements in any Cinderella story, which there are, I mean, hundreds, if not thousands across cultures. And only some of them are called Cinderella, right? Right. But you have a persecuted heroine um, who... It, it is always part of the story that it is a female heroine and she is persecuted or abused by female family members. Huh, because if okay. she's being abused by a father or a brother, it's a different type of story. It's a different Closely story. related, yeah. but different. She always has a supernatural helper of some kind. There mm-hmm. is always a the slipper test, which is not always a slipper and is fact, in fact very rarely the slipper on the foot but is some sort of test in which the prince has to, or the heroine has to prove that she is the woman who fell in love with the prince. Mm-hmm. And then there is always the marriage and often, but I don't think always there is some sort of divine punishment for uh-huh. the stepmother and mm-hmm. stepsisters. And one of my favorites that I've heard about is the slipper test in one of the stories. And I can't remember which one now, but the, our heroine, our Cinderella figure, and the stepsister both have to write and recite a poem for the prince. And it's not necessarily that he knows her style of poetry better. It's just that he likes Cinderella's poem better. And that's how he knows. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That seems very uh, uh, subjective. (laughs) Yes. Right. (laughs) Let's go ahead into our brainstorming with our really elaborate plot. Where do we even start? (laughs) So yeah, let me start by rereading it and we'll we'll think about and and sharing the grammar issue that I ran into. Oh yeah. (laughs) So we'll go from there. So our plot is when corrupt police is haunted by visions of his dead wife, she sets out with a coma, her man suffering a family loss and a dress shop lease to steal 50 cars. So when I first had this, I had this pop up and uh, typically in my generator, I do small adjustments to grammar if it's you know the verb is in the wrong tense or there's uh uh, there's an extra and i didn't know what to do with when corrupt police is haunted because i couldn't (laughs) figure out plural i couldn't figure out (laughs) i couldn't figure out well i I couldn't figure out then whether it was like a a a corrupt police officer but then there's a his dead wife and a she who's the who's the person so i couldn't figure out like what gender this police officer was Maybe there's some gender fluidity here. Yeah. So I just like left it in because I was like, I don't know what to do with this. We'll work this out in the brainstorming. See, Well, my first thought actually is that this and if we don't want to go with this, that's fine. But I think the police officer, a male police officer is one character and his wife, who he thinks is dead, is another character. And she sets out with the coma. Maybe that's why he thought she was dead. Her man suffering a family loss is her dying. He thinks, mm-hmm. and I yeah. don't know about the dress shop. <laughs> dress shop steal fifty cars, but maybe that, <laughs> but but maybe that solves the pro down issue. Maybe maybe we have a Gone Girl situation where she's faking her death to like frame him, mm. since she is stealing fifty cars. 
I was wondering if it was a, she sits out with a coma <laughs> and the visions of his dead wife. I wondered if there was like a, like a, an out of body where like she's in a coma and visiting him. Oh, that too. Like, like what yeah. if she yeah. thinks she's all gone this as somewhere. a ghost? Yeah. And so she's not really a ghost. She's like in a, she, maybe she was like in an accident and she's like, mm. so he doesn't know she's not dead. It's like right. gone, girl, she was in a hospital. gone in 60 seconds. Gone in 60 seconds, girl. Gone in 60 seconds is clearly where that last piece came from because I did pull these from movie synopses. So this is Gone in 120 seconds. It's the sequel. (laughs) Starring a woman in a coma. Yes. So, but I'm wondering if she can like, yeah, like supernaturally from her coma, comatose state, she can, she's reaching out to him. And for some reason, for some reason, there's a... I guess the other piece of grammatical confusion is a dress shop lease to steal 50 cars. That can either be interpreted as right. the dress shop lease, as lo- along with these other things, are all what she's, she's sitting out to steal 50 right. cars with a coma, her man, and a dress shop lease. Or, uh-huh. for some reason, the dress shop lease could entitle her to steal 50 cars. <laughs> <laughs> and, and are these real cars or are they metaphorical cars? And what would that even mean? Coma like, are they real cars? Is it? Is she stealing fifty cars? Are they police cars? And There's why? Corrupt police here. Oh yeah, he's a corrupt police. Ooh. Ooh. Where does the corruption Ooh. come into play? Yes, I completely glossed over that. Ooh. Did okay. So question: When I was saying that she was like in a coma, <laughs> and <laughs> he thought he was she was dead, but she was just missing, and she was in a coma somewhere. I was thinking like that she got hit by a car. Is uh-huh. Did the corrupt police hit her with his car, <gasps> leave her to die? She's just in a coma, but he doesn't know that. He thinks she's dead. And on she, purpose, he wanted her dead? On purpose, he wanted her okay. dead. Maybe she found out about his corruption and was going to, like, turn him into someone. Oh, uh-huh. And so she is now, for some, the stealing 50 cars is somehow connected to this, whether it's, Ooh. There, there's a maybe car there's connection. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe either to get him in trouble or to find which car he used to hit her. Ooh. Oh, maybe that's yeah. it. Maybe he used a car and if, oh, yes, he used a car. Maybe, maybe the <laughs> car he used, maybe he like abandoned it and it has, you know, evidence somewhere on it of her. Um, right. Or maybe she's just stealing the same, the wheel. if she's just stealing the same make and model and color, like just to mess with him, it's a new one is parked in the driveway every morning. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Right? So she's he's haunting just him haunted. All this. You know, he looks out his window. There's another one in his dead wife's oh waiting my. from the driver's seat. So that's so every morning he wakes up and there's a new car out there and she's sitting in it. And he's like, ah. And those are his visions of his dead wife. Yes. I like it. So the the one thing that really doesn't fit in yet is the dress shop lease. Dress shop okay, lease. Okay, true. So, Mm-mm. is that a, a key to someone who's helping her somehow? Is it is it a front for the car theft? <gasps> oh yes, that's that's oh. Is it a front for the car theft, or is it a front for whatever he was doing that was corrupt before Ooh. he right? Like money laundering, but it's a dress shop, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. It, or drugs, and it's a dress shop, whatever it was. And maybe so. And I she like- has the lease. That's what I'm thinking. The lease is like in her name. In her and name, so that's partly yeah. why she confronted him because she's like, I don't want to have anything to do with this. I do not want to be in the middle of this. I like it. Love so it. now like that she the thought lease he is- was just helping her start her own business and everything, but it was a front. <laughs> right. For, 
<laughs> car stealing or maybe something like that. <laughs> no, the car stealing is, is her as her after her supernatural her, yeah. coma out of body <laughs> revenge in the hopes of finding eventually the correct one that <laughs> that she can use. So how does she use the she sets out with the dress shop lease now. So does it aid her in some way now? Did she have a copy of the lease on her when she died? That would make sense if, if she, she confronted him her. and then tried to get away and then he ran her over. Yeah. But then or why wouldn't they has, find it at the hospital? Why wouldn't he get it? It has something mm-hmm. to do with her being in the coma. She was in the coma for a long enough time that they're talking about transferring the lease to him. Mm. <gasps> she, okay, no, hold on. So she ha- was beginning to get suspicious, but didn't know anything was up. Like didn't even have enough information to to r- unravel anything. But he, he attempted to kill her first. And in her, in her supernatural coma visits... <laughs> She okay. finds out about the dress shop lease. And uh-huh. so she like is solving her own murder. And the dress nice. shop lease is a part of it because she sees what he's doing with it now that she's, you know, out of the picture. So he thinks. I right. like it. Oh, so, so she's she, building yeah. her case. She is. And that way you could have like this really interesting, like, like you could be solving the mystery along with her. Yeah. Yeah. Like it. And so we we start by... You know, we start. We start by for the, he's the man yeah. suffering a family loss at the beginning. When, yes, as far as she yes. knows, he's just like on the lookout oh, for her and just really worried wife. to get find her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then right. she starts realizing, oh, hold on, <laughs> he's not actually looking for me. He knows. Yeah, who I am. right. We're pulling back some layers here. Okay. And, and the but, other the other thing that her stealing the fifty cards does, besides completely messing with his head, is it will draw attention to him. Yeah, because yes. these are stolen if parked cars. In his driveway. Yeah. Uh, no. Exactly. And so and they start to keep like, trying to get rid of them. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe some of them have like messages written on them, <laughs> but you know, you can play with that a little bit, but, but it is like, drawing attention the dirt, to them. You know? <laughs> yeah. Meaning that if they ever find the car that actually hit her, that they're, that they might think to look into his possible connection to it. Whereas in other situations uh-huh. they wouldn't. So she's just trying to like send a message. This is the car you need to look for <laughs> to find me. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we've unraveled just enough of this that it's an oh it's a it's the safest place we can have to get a new title <laughs> because yes. we've because we have enough to to give us something to go on but it's loose enough that it can be moved around. All right, so well, let's see what the title does for us. All right, all right. So our title is "Return of the of the Eccentric Members of a Dysfunctional Family." <laughs> I mean, it doesn't not work. It, is she not the only one who's coming back? <laughs> I think there's a reason that she's able to move around and do stuff while she's in a coma. Is her family like like a sorcery family? Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, the eccentric members and there's some, yeah. And like, maybe, maybe she didn't want to have anything to do with them because of like, just, I just want a normal life. I'm going to go marry this police officer. But now that she's dead and in a coma or, you know, and, and needs help, like they come in to help her. So, I was yeah, gonna say I, is she also convening with them in some way. Yeah, yeah, I think they're helping her out. I think they teach her how to appear to him, even though she's not fully dead. <laughs> and they they <laughs> they help her out and they go scouting places and they like and they right. they are I'm, all de- they I'm, are all dead. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm picturing like Auntie or somebody like dressed all in purple and lace and just kind of like walking through her front hall and she stops to look at the crystal ball. Oh my goodness, my niece just died. We uh-huh. need to go find her and teach her. <laughs> Yeah. And you could, yeah, you could, well, and, and the thing is, I think they all need to be dead because otherwise, oh, because, we still have this, because she's still like, 
the whole point is that she's in a coma, but he thinks she's dead, and which means that uh-huh. she can't have been found. <laughs> so she's still right. in in you know in a in a ditch somewhere. Okay, like just alive enough. <laughs> Maybe they're able to like feed her somehow. I don't know. They keep her alive. <laughs> they use their energy to keep her alive until she can figure this out. And so, so I think it's nobody that nobody that can actually find her and take her to a hospital where he can be like, oh, she's not dead. She's in a coma. <laughs> he That's can't. True. So, but I love this idea of sort of this like this quirky family (laughs) and and maybe i mean and it's a dysfunctional family so maybe there's an an aspect of her kind of like working out some of their issues in in this how we hope so i mean i mean if all of them are dead and not moving on they have issues right yeah yeah (laughs) yeah Um, maybe they all had horrible deaths they all they all died really awful deaths oh that's part of it yeah and so when she dies are they like yay she graduated (laughs) like i'm wondering if there's a level of in this in this like sort of rebellion against her dysfunctional family i wonder if there's she knows that they all had these horrible deaths and i wonder if maybe you know she's fighting to survive in the ditch because she's like i refuse to be i cannot (laughs) i will not be continuing this tradition of dying mysteriously and i'm gonna stay alive and i'm gonna die of old age (laughs) quietly in my bed (laughs) and i will shuffle off this mortal coil completely when I'm good and ready. <laughs> <laughs> but I really like that because you could have like this really fun, like cast of characters yes. uh, surrounding her, eccentric and dysfunctional and, and bring like from some, several some, different generations, from several like, different oh, yeah. generations. And they Not add some comedy to what is admittedly a very heavy story. Exactly. Totally. Like this is, this is, um, you know, a, a beetle juicy almost. Yeah. <laughs> yes. like, the vibe. It's very, it's a very, you know, 80s, 90s Tim Burton vibe of yeah. these ghosts that are going to help her solve her murder. I like it. <laughs> Is so, there anything we missed? We have corruptness. We have police, haunting, coma, so family the, loss. The, stealing the, the 50 shoppers. cars doesn't seem like a great plan. So I wonder if it like started off as like some, like if that was something that she like did by accident. Like... Or I wonder if like the the car itself is like psychically linked to her now or something, and Ooh. so like when she tries to make contact or- with him, all she can do is summon a car <laughs> from somebody else in what front if- of his house. Or or what if that's how the family tries helping? They're like, "We found uh, a car. Is this it? No, that's not yeah. the one that hit me." Yeah, yeah the dysfunctional family is stealing the cars, <laughs> and they leave them in front of his house. Yes. Oh, neighbor man. comes out. Ah, oh, you having a party? A lot of cars parked in What's your car. All the same kind. Yeah, special special convention of well, a and certain all, type of car. They've all been stolen, so they're all like reported stolen. So there's this, you right. know, there's this epidemic across the city of this kind of car being reported stolen and ending up in front of his house. And this poor guy's a police officer, and so he knows they're stolen. And how does he explain them showing up at his house? Because somebody's gonna notice. And and all he has to connect to it is the is that he sometimes sees his dead wife out there, right? And that he knows that that was the car that he stole, and so he's like freaking out about it. It's like I don't understand. <laughs> he he thinks maybe you know someone saw him do it and is trying to you know to, trying to freak him out, right? And she, at least at the beginning, is just trying to just trying to 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 say, "Hey, come get me." To communicate, maybe right? maybe he even suspects her relatives and tries to look into them. Like, like maybe she had a yeah. twin sister that she never mentioned or a cousin that yeah. looks really like her. And, but he's trying to track them all down and they're all already dead. He's like, what is going yeah. on? <laughs> or you could have the one twin sister who is the last one who, who does like actually find her at the end. 
Ooh. Find her, maybe find her and keep her at the house, actually. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So that she, you know, can be taken care of while she's in a coma. (laughs) This is. This has so much potential. This does have potential. I'm really intrigued by this. And I think, I think because of the title, because of the return of the eccentric members of a dysfunctional family, I think this cast of characters is going to be, it's, I think it's a family ensemble comedy yeah. drama. Oh, um, absolutely. Like they have to take like center stage here, which I think is just really kind of delightful in the middle of this <laughs> extremely <Yes>. dark, <laughs> awful story about police and corruption just, and, and domestic violence. And yeah, it's, there's it's this awful me of, crime subplot happening. It's fine. What is that show that with the family of vampires? Uh, what we do in the shadows. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or like even a little bit of um the burbs. Yeah. 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 I like this. I th- And I think there are enough pieces left open that there's plenty to do with this. We have our whole, our whole cast of characters to, to flesh uh-huh. out. So listeners, <laughs> I'm going to toss this over to you. I'm going to say, I want to, I want to see, I want to hear these characters horrible deaths i want to i'm picturing okay so i don't know if any of you have played the 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 card game gloom no um (laughs) it is it's it's wonderful it's a storytelling card game where you play a whole family of uh, of spooky gothic horror characters and your goal is to play cards on them to make them as miserable as you can and then kill them off (laughs) and so the other people on your people the people against you are trying to play like, oh, they won the lottery <laughs> or, oh, they got happily married. And you have to be like, oh, but then they got attacked by bees. <laughs> and, and so that's your goal. And so like, that's the vibe I'm getting here. Like, I want to pull out my my card deck and just look at these characters and be like, these are the characters in this eccentric, oh. dysfunctional family. Well, and, 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 the, and the family of people with horrible deaths is reminding me of Disney's The Haunted Mansion, that front yeah. around room. Oh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, man. Like, I, want, I want to hear these stories. I want to see pictures of these people. And I want to know. I want to know the TV theme song. I want to know the TV theme song. And I, I want to know a little bit more about the dress shop lease. <laughs> like we tied yes. it in, but I think it could be tied in tighter. So listeners, yes. we're going to toss this this out to you. <laughs> I, I, if you send us anything, we will put it up on our Instagram and, and our Twitter and share what you've, you've sent us. <laughs> but in the meantime, let's go ahead and let's transition to our portion of the show where we'll recommend something. Yes. I'm going to recommend something that I have intended to recommend for like the last four episodes and I keep just forgetting or having something else come to mind. And I don't know how easy it will be to find. (laughs) So, Mm. but a couple months ago I saw the show Octet in Berkeley and it, it was almost the, it was almost the same cast as had been, had premiered it in New York. There was one replacement, but all other than that, it was the same exact cast. And it is a, chamber musical (laughs) where it's it's eight people uh sitting in a room in what is it's not very clear from the beginning but it turns out to be some sort of like technology addiction support group um, run by some mysterious benefactor and all the music is done acapella just as like a choral piece from all these eight singers and they each have their own songs about like how they how tech messes them up like one person is someone who went viral for for some very public bad behavior and that's like all she's known for now somebody else sings about the the disconnect between her and her husband when all they're doing together is just on screens together and it's a very haunting piece of theater and very unusual and very lovely and the the cast album is available you can listen to that the story is mostly tellable through the cast album, although it'd be worth finding a, a summary somewhere and reading it. Or, But if you ever get a chance to see it, it's one of the most interesting and creative pieces of musical theater that I've seen in a long time. 
And I nice. I don't know if it'll ever where it'll ever get produced again, but I want it to because it was amazing. Was that the one that was by Dave Malloy? Yes. Yes. Yeah, he did Great Comet. He did. He did. Um, and um, I was big in the Great Comet fandom when it was still on Broadway. So I remember hearing about Octet too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Octet is Dave Malloy, who's doing some really interesting stuff right now in musical theater. Like yeah. look him up in general. But yeah, so take a listen to Octet. It is fascinating. All right, I'm going to toss it mm-hmm. to Jenny. What would you like to recommend? I'm going to recommend something that Katie brought to mind, and I can't believe I checked. I haven't recommended this before. It is one of my favorite versions of the Cinderella story, and it's called The Slipper in the Rose. Mm. Katie, have you seen that? I have not. Okay. You have an assignment now. Okay. It's, Especially it's if you like Roger Lambertstein Cinderella. Yes, because it is a musical. Fantastic. It's a fairly traditional telling of the story and the Cinderella is you know a little bit passive but you know she is kind and she's a hard Mm -hmm. worker and everything and but and they give her an opportunity to be brave in the story so the storyline itself is pedestrian in that way but the music is by the Sherman brothers who are famous for so many Disney movies Mm -hmm. and it's just delightful stuff and it's a favorite of my family's my whole life and the prince is played by Richard Chamberlain, a young Richard Chamberlain, and it's just gorgeous. So go find that and watch it because it's I will beautiful. have to watch that. Mm-hmm. All right, Katie, you get to recommend as well. What would you like our listeners to check out if they haven't? Okay, um, in keeping with the theme of like retellings of stories, even though this is not a retelling of a folktale, I have been recently revisiting a favorite retelling of mine that is just now 10 years old, and it is the Lizzie Bennet Diaries on YouTube. It is a yes. vlog-style adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. Ooh. And while it was not the original vlog-style retelling, it did kind of push that that specific genre of retellings into the craze that it was in that like early to mid-2010s, where it felt like every story, classic novel, was being adapted into like a vlog retelling. <laughs> And this one was just, it was told so well. And recently, Ashley Clements, who played Lizzie Bennett, has been doing a rewatch because it is the 10th anniversary in these months of the show's airing. And so every every anniversary date of an episode, she'll do a rewatch episode where she watches it and talks about the behind the scenes stuff. And that has made me just go through and rewatch the whole series again, because it was so fun. It was you know, I was watching it as a senior in high school and a freshly graduated, you know, 18 year old. And I love Jane Austen anyway. So this was just mm-hmm. such a fun way of telling the story. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a long time since I rewatched that one. I should go back to it. <laughs> Do it. It's the 10th anniversary. It's the perfect time. It really is. Mm-hmm. All right. Before we go, uh, Katie, I want to make sure that you can plug anything you want to plug social media or anything you're working on or anything you want our listeners to know. I have nothing. I mean, I still have the same Twitter that I did last time. It's, uh, I believe it is things underscore Katie underscore did, but I could be wrong. I'll look it up from last I time. I don't tweet myself. <laughs> no, it's things underscore Katie did. Only one underscore is in there. And I mostly talk about my students and various humorous conversations that I have at home with my partner as we're watching Gilmore Girls and Star Trek Deep Space Nine. <laughs> so that's, you know, if you want an glimpse into my incredibly mundane life. There it is. (laughs) I love it. Awesome. Katie, thank you so much for for joining us for coming back for this. This was such a delightful one. Thank you for having me back. It was so fun. 
All right, folks, that is our episode. As a reminder, you can find us every other Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, you can join our Patreon for bonus material. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WriteThisPod or on Facebook slash SomebodyWriteThis. And if you've been inspired by this episode and have questions or comments or illustrations or anything else, email us at SomebodyWriteThis at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We'll be back with another episode in two weeks, and we'll see you then. And as they say, the clouds are not hurt by the barking of dogs. Thank you.